0: Hi, welcome back and welcome to episode two of Talk Talk. I'm your host, Emily O'San, and I'd like to introduce today my co-host, Hobbs. Hobbs, say hi. Say hi. Sniff, sniff. Yeah, that's right. Hobbs is a dog. And he's a little French bulldog, and he's a lot of fun. We spend a lot of time together walking outside and exploring our city of Hong Kong. So, I thought I'd begin today just by telling you a little bit more about who I am and who Hobbes is. So, firstly, I'm Emily and I'm both a visual arts teacher and a theory of knowledge teacher. I did my master's of international education a few years ago and I've been teaching now eight years. I just moved to Hong Kong and I'm enjoying exploring the city and getting to know a new place. I spent the last almost 13 years of my life living in Shanghai, China, and learning some Mandarin. And I'm a painter, a photographer, and I love asking questions, which is why I love T.O.K. I value creativity amongst all my traits as the highest trait that I have. Creativity is something that I think we're all born with and we all practice. And some of us use our creative muscles more than others, but it is not something that we either are or are not. We all are creative and it's part of what makes us human. But enough about my philosophy on people and things. I want to tell you a little bit more about Hobbes. So Hobbes is named after the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes, which has kind of coincidentally always been associated with T.O.K., if you look at um, old teaching resources for TOK, Calvin and Hobbes has been a thread that's come in and out of TOK teaching since the very beginning, which is kind of interesting. I think maybe it's partly because of Calvin's philosophical, yet he sort of lacks restraint in all ways. He has a lot of fun and gets into a lot of trouble, and he's always paired up with his best buddy Hobbes, who is sort of this little stuffed animal to adults, but he's a real tiger to Calvin. Together, they get into a lot of trouble. They ask a lot of questions. They discover the world. But interestingly, I think Hobbes was named originally after a 17th century philosopher, Thomas Hobbes, who had a very dismal view upon humanity. Hobbes thought that People were incapable of ruling themselves and needed a strong government or what he called a sovereign, without which we would just be brutish creatures who destroyed each other. But I'm not really sure how much that relates to my co-host Hobbes, who is a very sweet and yet also naughty French bulldog. In Nigel Warburton's A Little History of Philosophy, I read that Thomas Hobbes was also known for being a very big fitness fanatic, which maybe that maybe has something to do with my dog, <laughs> who loves chasing a ball. He would run after a ball and run himself to death if, if I let him. But why is he my co-host? Well, he's kind of like Hobbes on the cartoon. He's just a dog, yet he sometimes asks good questions too, as I think you will soon see. So one of the Goals of this podcast is not to teach the TOK course, but to discuss real life situations that arise as I explore Hong Kong and travel other parts of Asia and other parts of the world. One of the first of these situations that has arisen is just simply in the introduction of this podcast the idea of a name. So, what is in a name? And Shakespeare asks the same question. He says, what's in a name? You know this one. That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And yet, it's funny because I think as we grow up, we all associate our names with who we are, and we remember people by names, and we have associations with names. Any parent knows that choosing a name for a child is one of the hardest decisions you ever make. Well, for some. Others, it just comes quite easily. But in some countries like China, people put so much value in a name that they will even pay people to help devise the exactly right name. And that's because they believe not only is a name important, it's powerful, it determines your life. And in many ways, I think that's true. I mean, I once had a student named Lucifer and... None of the teachers could really take him seriously, and why is that? I mean, he was—he chose the name because he wanted the name of a fallen angel. He wanted God's favorite angel, and yeah, he didn't know the context of the word Lucifer being the one that was outcast and became the devil. And to him, it sounded like a good name, but it wasn't just a name, was it? And it's kind of funny too because. I would never name my dog. Although I have met some people who've named their dogs things like Sir William or Elizabeth, but these names don't sound like dog names. Hobbs sounds like a dog name, but Thomas. Mm, maybe if I'm mad at him, I could call him Thomas Hobbs. Thomas. Thomas. Thomas Hobbs. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. On one website, behindthename.com which is likely not a super valuable resource, but it does have ratings for names. So you can type your name in, for example, mine is Emily, and it gives you a rating of what people think that Emily is like. So ratings for whether it's a good name or a bad name, masculine or feminine, classic or modern, strong or delicate, nerdy or an intellectual, serious or comedic Interestingly, 75% of the people surveyed thought that Emily was a wholesome name, not a devious name, which I would beg to differ. <laughs> Something like Urban Dictionary has a whole nother meaning of names, which for the sake of this podcast, I won't go into. But the point of it is that there's so many connotations that go with a name. It's So maybe it's not true that arose by any other other name would smell as sweet. Maybe a rose smells as sweet as it does because it is called a rose. And we have all these memories and associations with the word rose. I found an interesting article in the New Yorker from May 2013 about the power of names. And it starts off by saying that the German poet Christian Morgenstern once said, all seagulls look as though their name were Emma. And that there is some truth to this idea of linguistic labels being perfectly suited to the idea. Adam Alter's article goes on to mention, um, as Gestalt psychologist Wolfgang Kohler, who read that poem and did a um, survey to understand this idea of concepts and names. So he took two shapes, one which was round and curly, and one was sharp and angular, and asked people to decide which one was a mamula and which one was a takete. And interestingly enough, most people found that the mamulas are soft and round, whereas the takete or takete, I'm not sure, are sharp and jagged. So what is in a name or what's in a word. This brings us to our first way of knowing, language. Language is one of the ways that we know about the world. It's not just one of the ways we hear or communicate about the world, but language shapes our thinking. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Consider the word difficult and the word challenging. Both words mean that something is going to be hard to do or are not easy. And yet, if I think of something being difficult, I innately respond by thinking, that's not a good thing. I don't want to do that. Whereas if I think of the same thing as being challenging, I see opportunity for growth. My coach writes workouts for me that are challenging He never says to me, choose a difficult weight to lift. He always writes, choose a challenging weight, because he wants me to see the opportunity as an opportunity for growth, not as something that is going to beat me down. And I think we could think of a lot of examples of things like this, stubborn and steadfast, or perhaps slim or skinny. All these words have a connotation to them that are perhaps different than their denotation. So they have meaning behind what they actually represent or layers of meaning behind them. Let me tell you a quick story. Late one night, a father and his son were in a car accident. They were rushed to the hospital, and on the way, the father died. But the son survived and was in critical condition. At the hospital, the doctor said, I can't operate on this boy. He is my son. Why was this? Maybe it's obvious to you, but it wasn't that obvious to me. And this tells me something about language that's important. You see, the reason the doctor couldn't operate was not because the son was adopted or because there were, he had two dads, but because the doctor was his mom. If you've heard that story before, it's obvious. And if you haven't and you were like me and you guessed one of those other things, you really feel bad. I mean, I'm a feminist. Of course the doctor was a woman. Of course she was. And yet this language, these layers of language hold concepts behind just the word. The word doctor, in my mind, still, even as a feminist in 2018, has some male connotation to it. Likely, this is to do with the history of the word and the fact that for a very long time, female doctors were not considered equal and, and so on. But still, this matters. In our world, we're trying to be so politically correct, and yet we're forgetting the problem of language, and that is that it's been built this way. So another problem of language is that it's both too complex in this way But it's also too simple in another way. Take, for example, the word dog. Dog is a simple word, and yet it conveys so many different kinds of dogs. Probably for me, it makes me think of Hobbes, because he's sitting right next to me, chewing on his bone. And for someone else, it makes them think of their dog, or other dogs that they knew. Or perhaps for dog trainers, it makes them think of their job. And not to mention all the different breeds and kinds and The word dog is just too simple to convey all of that. So with the simplicity of language, we also lose some of the meaning. Or worse, we have what George Orwell introduced the idea of double think or double speak, which is the idea of language deliberately obscuring or reversing the meaning of words in a sense to make what might be considered offensive or rude, sound less bad or in some way just to obscure the truth of things or to suit someone's political or ideological agenda. The word freedom fighter versus terrorist, for example. But language is not all bad. Language is also beautiful and can convey very important truths and ideas. And in some ways, it's what sets us apart from other animals. One of the beauties of language is that I can put an idea in your mind just by saying a word. Rainbow. There you have it. Now we're all thinking of a rainbow. You in your place on the planet and me in my place on the planet, we're both thinking and sharing this same idea. Another beauty of language is this way of conveying something that is important to one's culture and one's group of people and even different cultures have different concepts perhaps that don't exist in other languages for example the word umami from japanese is something meaning like a savory taste it's like one of the basic five tastes sweet sour bitter salty what's interesting is this is a loan word from japanese Something like this didn't exist in English before. Of course, we had something like a pleasant, savory flavor, but umami just makes it sound more like what it is. Even saying the word umami makes my mouth water for something with that sort of flavor. Just like the word sweet makes me long for something sweet. These words are just so powerful. In her TED Talk, Lyra Boroditsky Talks about a culture of people who use cardinal directions as part of their daily language. She says they don't use words like left or right, but these people who live in um, an Aboriginal community in the very west of Cape York, they use cardinal directions for everything. So she gives a lot of good examples, like, for example, move your cup to the north, northeast. And someone from that culture would understand that because that language is a part of the culture, a part of the concepts of that culture. What's also important to recognize is that someone who is not from that culture has a more difficult time understanding that. Therefore, the idea that language shapes the way we think is not only important when thinking about names and concepts but also about the way we construct our reality. So not only is language beautiful and complex and simple, but it also shapes our brains, shapes the way that we think. So why does all of this matter? I mean, I'm just kind of going on and on about language and words and meanings and concepts and so on, but, and I can hear Hobbes sniffing and snorting in the background at me, but... It matters because when we think about what we know, we're thinking in some sort of language. And if language shapes the way that we think, every language then potentially has the ability to help us think in different ways. Nowadays, English and Mandarin are becoming the most widely spoken languages in the world which is great if I speak English and Mandarin. That means I can communicate with most people in the world. It's sort of like the undoing of the Tower of Babel in one way. Tower of Babel is the story from the Genesis told in the Bible about a united humanity who could all speak and understand each other until God got angry at them trying to become closer to heaven by building Tower of Babel to heaven. And he then, observing this, confounded their speech and scattered them all over the world so they could no longer understand each other. Well, but if now people are speaking English and and Mandarin, the majority of people in the world can begin to understand each other again. Wouldn't this be a good thing? I can't help but wonder, though, following the argument that we can know and understand deeper and more intricate ideas based on the language that we speak, I can't help but think of the languages we're losing along the way. And by losing languages, losing access to that knowledge. What do you think, Rosie? Is that enough? Yeah. So I suppose we'll leave it at that for the day. Thanks so much for listening. My website is talktalk.org, so that's T-O-K-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. You can find all of the podcasts there, and you can also find a contact for me there as well. If you have any comments or questions, contributions, or ideas for future episodes, or if you'd like to help me out with an episode and perhaps you're an expert in one of these areas, please contact me. I'd love to hear from you. Right, thank you so much and I look forward to the next episode. Bye.